Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, if you want to go ahead and get turned over there. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to read you one verse, which is our, uh, our key verse from the theme that we have had this year, from Psalm 133, verse number 1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Amen. We have talked a lot about unity over this last year from my figuring. This is, I think, about the 13th message that I've preached uh, from the topic of unity through the Bible, and I feel like I have just barely scratched the surface. There's so much that we can learn and that we can glean from God's Word, especially in regards to this thought and this topic of unity, but we have been going through Ephesians chapter 4. I, I believe the last time the Lord took me to this passage was on Father's Day uh, when we began our looking there at verse number 6 of chapter 4. So we're going to go ahead and read verses 1 through 6 this morning. I hope you've got your Bible out and turn there with me. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 1, the Bible says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and in you all. Now, last time that we went through this passage, we spoke about the unity of the Father and how that He is a Father to all. Uh, but today we want to look a little bit more specifically at the back half of verse number 6. And I want to speak to you about the unity in God the Father. Let's pray. Father, we thank You this morning, Lord, for the privilege to come to Your house. Thank You, God, that You've just been so good to us. Lord, that You've, you've blessed us, Lord. You've given us a place to come to gather and to worship. And God, there is, there is no substitute for being in Your house, God. I'm thankful, Lord, for, uh, Lord, for the live stream. And I'm thankful, Lord, for, for all, the, all the ways that You've given us, Lord, where we can, we can try to spread the, the, the gospel, Lord, through means of online and, and all those things. But God, I'm so thankful, Lord, for the privilege to come together in Your house with Your people. I'm so thankful, Lord, that You've made it available to us, God, that You've brought us together, Lord, and I pray this morning, God, that we'd be in one mind and in one accord, God, that we might hear what the Spirit has to say to us, God, that we might be in unity this morning, I pray. Help us, help our church, help me as I preach. I love you, and I need you. In Jesus' name, amen. As Paul, the apostle, is winding down this excerpt, these six verses of Scripture from 
Ephesians chapter 4, where he's talking about the unity of the Spirit. He has, uh, he has covered all three of the Trinity. Uh, if you look down through there, one capital S, Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit. Verse 5, one capital L, Lord, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And there in verse number 6, one God and Father of all, that is, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But here he is, he is focusing in, if you will, on the, uh, the Father, the one part of the three-part God, uh, as God the Father, and how that our understanding of who God is should bring us together. Amen. The topic of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, is unity. That's the topic. Look at verse number 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then he begins to talk about how there is one body, one Spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all. It's all about being one. Amen. Just as God is three and also one, so are we many, but now in Christ made one body. Amen. We are one body and all members, but not all members have the same office. We've talked about that. We've gone through that in the Scripture. Uh, but as he speaks about the Father, he is speaking about how that our Heavenly Father above, the God of all creation, the knowledge of Him should bring us together as one in unity together. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. We spoke about the Father of all last time we went to this passage, so today I want to talk about that above all, through all, and in you all that we see. All three of these statements, if you will, the three parts of this, of this final verse in this short passage here, are speaking of God's position. Amen. It's speaking of, if you will, where He is in relation to something else. He's above all, He's through all, and He's in you all. That's what He says, right? So we can see that, speaking of the position of God, and we can understand that there is so much that's being said in just these few little words. We know that God is so big, and He is so mighty, and He is so powerful, and there is so much about Him that if I had all the rest of my life with no job other than to sit and to write and to describe our God, I could not sufficiently do so. He's beyond us. Amen. He's bigger than us. He's better than all of us. And as we look at our God, that statement and that understanding of who He is ought to bring us together. So let's look. First of all, I want to speak about God's incontrovertible position. And that incontrovertible position is referring to something that cannot be argued against. Amen. Amen. It is an absolute indisputable fact. If something is incontrovertible, it means there is no controversy. He is God. He is God of all. And He is above all. Now that is the incontrovertible truth of God. God is above us all. Amen. And I do mean that literally. God is up. Amen. God is high and lifted up and He is above us. But that word above implies so much more than just His literal being above us the way that the ceiling is above us, but God is above us in so much more than that. Amen. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, let me read you a few verses here 
concerning our God and His incontrovertible position of being above us. Isaiah chapter 4. You know what I find in the Bible? Few people, uh, with maybe the exception of David, could write about God in such a great way as Isaiah. Isaiah has such a way of describing God that it is, man, it just speaks to my heart when I read it. Let's look in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 21. Look at what the prophet says. He says in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 21, Have you not known? Have you not heard? Have they not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is He that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers, that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain, and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in, that bringeth the princes to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. Yea, they shall not be planted. Yea, they shall not be sown. Amen. Yea, their stocks shall not take root in the earth, and He shall blow upon them, and they shall wither, and the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. Verse 25, To whom then will you liken me? Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and behold who hath created these things, that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of His might, for that He is strong in power, not one faileth. Isaiah looked up and he saw God in His might, and he said, It is He that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. And when he says that, I imagine God on His throne looking down over the earth, which to us is so incomprehensible. It's hard to comprehend that at all times the earth is moving very, very, very quickly. And it's spinning, and we're on a spinning rock, and not only that, but it is moving through space very quickly. And that literally the ground on our feet is not still, and it's never still. That it's constantly moving, and yet we just, we just can't even we can't grasp that. We can't grasp the size of the earth, or the distance from the earth to the sun, or those great things. And yet God, when He looks down, it's like my son when he goes and dumps his toys out of his toy box. It's just little things. It's just little things that he can take in his hands that are so small to him, that seem so, so in comparison with his hands, are so small. Amen? That's why Isaiah said that the inhabitants thereof of the earth, that's you and me, we're like grasshoppers. Amen? How often have you taken a moment in your life to consider the grasshopper? How often do you see one and think, I wonder how the grasshopper's doing today? I wonder what I can do to, to help the grasshopper. I wonder if the grasshopper is comfortable. I wonder if the grasshopper has anything to say that I need to hear. And yet that is us in comparison with God, but the difference between us and God is that God cares how you feel. And He cares what you think. And He cares how you're doing. But the fact that He cares does not take away the fact that He is so big and so high and lifted up above us. He's so strong in power that when we look at those, those great rulers of the earth and we look at things like the armies of the earth and, and things like nuclear bombs and all those things, and we look at those things and, and they're almost, it's just almost incomprehensible. The power of those things. Amen. The number of, of nuclear bombs that exist on our planet that if the wrong people were in charge, if they wanted to, could wipe out our planet. Y'all understand that? That if you were to sit and think about those things, that it could bother you, cause you fear and concern and worry, 
But can I tell you that when God looks down, He has no concern. He looks at all the strength of man and all the intelligence of man and all the power of man. You know what the Bible said it is? Vanity. It's worthless to God. It means nothing to Him. He's not the least bit afraid because He is above. He's above. He's looking down. He sees it all. And here's what He says. All your strength and all your might and all your soldiers and all your weapons. Do you not know I made all this? And just like I made it, I can take it apart. And you know how He made it? With the word of His mouth, He spoke it into existence. And just as He spoke the world into existence, He could speak anything out if He wanted to. Amen. That He's God and He is above all and He has all power and all might and nothing that we do concerns and scares God. He's above us. His position, His ways are above us. One thing is certain, God's ways are above our ways. Isaiah chapter 55, here's what Isaiah said about the Lord in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse number 8, he said this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Amen. And can I just say, thank God He doesn't think like I think. Thank God He don't think like you think. Amen? Thank God I I would not want to be God. I could not be trusted with the power of God and the authority of God, and neither could one of you. Because we are human, and we are small-minded. Amen? Every single one of us, if we had the power of God, the first thing that we would do, no matter how good or a person we think we are, the first thing we would do would be something to benefit us or the people that we care about the most. Amen? That's the first thing. That's not God. His ways are above our ways. His ways are greater than our ways. His ways are incomprehensible to us. His thoughts, they're not our thoughts. We don't think like God. We don't see like God. And our ways are not the same as God's ways. And that's why sometimes we look at what's going on, and we go, man, I don't understand, but it's just like we were talking about the other night during church when I was preaching about how that God, when He looks down from His perspective, He can see things differently than my perspective. Amen. Just like my children. And they look at it and think, well, I want this, and I should be able to have it. My son says, I want to eat that bug, so I should be allowed to eat that bug. And you're all thinking, he wouldn't. Yes, yeah, we pulled a big old beetle right out of his mouth the other day. Nasty. And I'm thinking... Why would you do that, you know? Because I know it's a bug. It's disgusting. And that's exactly what God thinks when He looks down at us. Why would you do that? It's wrong. It's disgusting. But to us, in our perspective, we think, oh, this is good, and my thought is good, and my way is good. But God's looking down going, man, your way is going to lead to death and destruction. Aren't you glad His ways are better than ours? Aren't you glad that His thoughts are higher than ours? His ways are higher and his thoughts are higher because he's above. God is not one of us. He's not like us. He's better than us. He's above us. His ways are above us, which makes them better than ours. Well, that's not the way I like to do things. Well, his way is better than yours. His way is better than mine. His way is better than all of ours, and they're above us. His ways are are above us. His Word is above us. Look at the next two verses in Isaiah 55. We read 8 and 9. Look at verse 10 and 11. 
For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be, that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. God's word is so strong, you can't stop it. God's word is so powerful, people out there who have no connection to God, no connection to church, no interest in the things of God, can come in contact with the Word of God, and it can mess up their whole life. That's why the power of a gospel tract cannot be quantified or qualified, because it's got the Word of God in it. And you know what the power of God in salvation is? The gospel. That's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. It can't be stopped. It's too strong. It's too wonderful. It's too mighty. And here's what God said. Like the rain that comes down and the snow comes down and it waters the earth and it makes it bring forth and bud and bring forth fruit to the sower and bread uh, to, to them. He said, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. He said, it shall not return unto me void. He said, I'm God and my word's too powerful. It's too big and too strong. And these men like Isaiah and Jeremiah, these men who would stand and preach and the Israelites wouldn't listen. God said, when they don't listen, don't worry. My word goes out, it's going to come back to me, and it's going to bring fruit with it. It's not going to be void. It's going to go out and say, well, Brother Paul, people just aren't listening. It seems like the world's turning away from God. God's word can't be stopped. God's word cannot be stopped. That's why we don't need to get a new Bible. We don't need to get new music. We don't need to change everything that's going on in here to suit whatever the world says, because here's what you've got to understand. His word is stronger than theirs. His ways are higher than theirs. He is above us. They're supernatural. His word is not small, it's not simple, it's supernatural. He said it's going to prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. You have the word of God in your hands. Can I say, don't forget you got the word of God in your hands. This right here is what I'm talking about. It's that powerful, quick, sharper than any two-edged sword. And yet I think sometimes we just kind of look at it like, eh. Am I right? Eh. I, don't have, I would rather read something else. I'd rather do just about anything else. Amen. Young people, listen to me. No textbook, no fiction novel, no TV show or God help us, YouTube video or anything else is ever going to benefit you the way that this will. Are you listening to me? It's real and it's powerful and it's true and it is health to your bones. That's what this is. The Bible. You need it. You need it. You need it. Psalm 119, 12. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips I've declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I've rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Amen. His word is above us. He is watching from above us. From his point of view, I said it before, he can... He can survey all things. Proverbs 15, 3 said this. Or I'm sorry, yeah, Proverbs 15, 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. That God, from His place, sitting on the circle of the earth, He can see everything. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? From where I'm at, I don't know if y'all know this or not, <clears throat> but I can see you. When we had the, the, the young children come up and sing a few minutes ago, 
it just kind of stood out to me this morning. I don't really know why. Uh, but as the children were up here singing, I noticed that uh, Miss Kendall was sitting over here, and uh, Miss Kaylee was squatted down. I noticed she was kind of squatted down on her knees. And I think Miss Alyssa was too a little bit. They kind of hunker down. And the reason they do that, I think, is two things. One, so they can be on eye level. But secondly, so they're not in the way of you seeing them. Because from where you are, the children were on the same level with you. And so all it would take is someone like me with a big old head and broad shoulders to sit in front of you, and suddenly you can't see very well, right? But from my perspective, I can see pretty much any of you right in your eyes if I want to. You know why? Because I'm up here, physically. Physically, right now, I'm physically above you. And just as I'm physically above you right now so that I can, I can see you, by the way, whether you're looking or paying attention or sleeping or whatever else, I can see you, so can God. In fact, He can see you a lot better than me because He looks on your countenance, but He also looks down deep in your heart. Amen. He can see where you look and where you're at right now. He don't care about that as much as about as He does what's going on inside the heart. Amen. But I'll tell you this, God looks down and He beholds, the Bible says, the evil and the good. Which means when you're doing good, he sees it, man. He sees it, and he hears it, and he knows it. And when you're doing bad, all the bad things we do, he sees it. He hears it. He's beholding it. Why? It's real simple. Are y'all looking at me? He's above. He's not on your level. I know the world wants to get God down on their level, but God is not and will never be down on your level. He is above. He's too high and too mighty, and too powerful, and too holy to ever come, to ever be down on your level. That's why He let the Son go and condescend to humanity, because God the Father is just too high, and He's watching, and He's beholding, and He's seeing it all, what you did and what you said. He heard it. He saw it. He's watching, and in His watching, He's beholding all things. He, he watches for our direction, Proverbs 5 21, for the ways of man are before, are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. You say, look, brother, brother Paul, God doesn't care what I do. Yes, he does. The Bible said that our ways are before him, and he ponders our goings. That when you're going your way, and the preacher's preaching, and, and the Bible says go this way, and you're not listening, you're going this way, and you're going that way, and you say, oh, I'm fine. God does care, and he's looking at you, and he's thinking about you. He's, he's watching our direction. He watches for our distresses. Distresses. Psalm 34, 15, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and His ears are open unto their cry. The righteous cry, verse 17, The Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Amen. You ought to be glad He's watching. Because when the time comes that you need help, and you don't know what to do, guess what? He's watching, and He's ready. He's above us. He watches for their destruction. Verse 16 of Psalm 34 said this, The face is a, of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. Can I say, I want God on my side? Because He's not just observing us as a loving Father who wants to guide us and help us, although He is, but He's also watching for those who make themselves an enemy of God. We see first... His incontrovertible position. I want to show you his interwoven position. Secondly, it said this, He is above all, then He is through all. 
That word through implies that his existence is apparent through all things. In every action, everything that occurs in life, God exists through all. And not only does he exist, but he acts through all. As his incontrovertible position is that he is above, his interwoven position is that he is action. God is not sleeping. God is not dead. God is not, has not moved on and left us. He is watching, and not only is He watching, but He is acting. He is a God who is action. Philippians 2.13 For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. God is working. Amen. This morning, God wants to work in some of you. He wants to. We see He streams through all. I use that word streams because really the best sort of, I guess, comparison I could give you of what I believe this verse is trying to tell us is, is God, in a sense, is the power and, and the ability that works through all things. That all things exist through God. Period. And all things continue through God. Just like these lights here, these light bulbs that have been designed and created... Uh, they have the ability to do something, and that thing they have the ability to do is to produce light. But without electricity, they will never produce light. No matter how many times you flip that switch, if we don't pay the bill, and the power gets cut off to Calvary Road Baptist Church, you can flip it till it breaks, the light will never come on. Just as that is true and that electricity is necessary for those things to do anything, so is it necessary for God to empower us to do anything. That it is God through us that does everything. I have never done anything good without God. Anything good that I've ever done has been done because God did it through me. Can you understand that this morning? My ability to love my wife and love my children is, is, is based on God in me. You know how I know? I know what I'm like. Do y'all know what y'all are like? Sometimes I think y'all don't know what y'all are like. Do y'all know what y'all are like? Some of y'all know what, what each other are like. You've been married for a while, or been around each other long enough. You know what you're like? Guess what? So does God. In fact, the only person on earth or anywhere in all of existence who knows you like you do is God. And that's a scary thought. My wife don't even know me like I know me. I have thoughts and things in my mind that go, and I think, holy cow, what's wrong with me? Y'all ever have that? What's wrong with me? But God, guess what? When you, He knows. He knows that terrible thing you thought. He knows that terrible darkness that, that, that creeps up inside of us. God knows those things. And yet, He continues to work through us and to work on us and to keep us going because He is through all, that He streams through all, that He strives through all. The truth is baffling to the unbeliever because they cannot understand why God, if He's so perfect, would entrust His work with the imperfect hands of men. But did you know that's exactly what God does? The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. For it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, 
and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Here's what Isaiah had to say about God through all. Here's what he said. But now, O Lord, Thou art our Father, we are the clay, and Thou our potter, and we all are the work of Thy hand. You know what that tells me? Nothing ever that any man has ever done good was done without God. Amen. That it is God through all that gives us the propensity for good. It is only God in us that is good. That there is none that doeth good, no, not one. That there is none righteousness. That our righteousness are as filthy rags. But God, who is good through us, can do good. And the sooner you can get the picture of Him up here and you down here, the better off you're going to be. He streams through all that he is the power and the strength and the might he strives through all that he continues to to work in men and while God could simply snap his fingers or clap his hands or speak with his mouth and make all the things be done here's what he said that God chose by the foolishness of preaching to deliver the gospel because he wants to give you purpose and he wants to give you uh, uh, something to do and, and and he wants to make you a part of his work that he gives to each of us we're not all the same we don't all have the same gifts. We're, not, we're all members of the same body, even though not every member has the same office. He stays through all. Romans 8, 38. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why is that? Because God is through all. All, good times, bad times, evil, good, He is through all. And He always has been from the beginning. Are you all still with me this morning? We're almost done. Stay with me. We see finally His indwelled position. He said, God, the Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. He's abiding. An abode is where you live. So like the old song says, He lives in me. Amen. Well, how do you know God is real? Well, I could give you all the theological reasons why I think so. I could give you the historical reasons why I think so. But the truth is, the reason that I know He's real is because He lives in me. Amen. He, does He live in you? Because some of you look dead. Does He live in you? Amen. Lives in you. He abides in you. And he didn't just, it's not like the Old Testament where the Lord, the Holy Spirit would descend on them and then go back up. No, He is, he is always in me. 100% of the time. And honestly, you know what it is? It is a mysterious thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3 says this, For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. I always thought that word 
fleshy tables was weird. There's what he's saying. God didn't write His Spirit and the, and the, the truth of God and, and the living God and the reality of God just on paper. He wrote it in your heart. That He lives in me. That there's something in me that is beyond me, that's above me, that's greater than me, that's greater than any of us, that He lives in me. And it is a mysterious thing. Romans uh, 16, 25, Now to Him <clears throat> that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept since uh, secret since the world began, but now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. So what does that say in? It's saying this. Nobody saw salvation coming. You read the Old Testament, you read all the old prophets, none of them said the day's coming when Jesus is going to come and die for, for our sins, and when He does, He's going to resurrect, and He's going to sin, and then all the Gentiles everywhere are going to have the opportunity to get saved for 2,000 years. It was a mystery. God kept it a secret from all the prophets because to them it just didn't make sense. It is a mystery to them that God would do that, and not only that, it's a mystery to all those who don't believe, how that God can live in us. It's like Nicodemus said, how can a man, once again, be entered into his mother's womb? And Jesus said, you're not getting it. That which is of the flesh is flesh, and that which of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say to thee, you must be born again. Amen. The mystery, it's a, it's a mysterious thing. It's a miraculous thing. As the Lord said in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, Paul wrote this, God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. It's miraculous. Why? I told you just a minute ago, as bad as you are, look at me, and as bad as you know you are, God knows. He knows who you are, Brother Jason. He knows who I am. He knows everything I've done. The good, the small amount of good, and the mostly bad, every bad thought. He knows it all. All of it. And yet in spite of all that, you know what He did? He saved me. And it said not only saved me, He brought us together in heavenly places. Now, I'm a joint heir with Christ. I, I am a part of the family of God. I'm royalty because He saved me. It's miraculous that He lives in me. It's incomprehensible that a part of God actually lives in me. It's a mighty thing. 2 Timothy chapter 1, here's what Paul said. He said, for the which cause I suffered... These, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. It's a mighty thing. He is above all. He's through all. And if you're saved, he's in you all. But he's not just in you, but he's here to stay. 
Just as man can't comprehend the idea that a perfect God would entrust imperfect men to do certain things, on the other hand, they can't comprehend that salvation has nothing to do with them. Yesterday, we had a birthday party for Peyton and Link, and they got way too many gifts. Literally, we're going to have to knock a wall out or something, I don't know, just to store the stuff. The Lord just blessed them, and the many people brought them gifts. But you know what Peyton did to deserve those gifts? Nothing. Not really. I can tell you right now, they didn't all bring, them the, bring her those gifts because she's so sweet to them all. Have you all met my daughter? You speak to her and she curls up into her shell like a turtle most of the time. Now, Mammy and Pappy, yeah, sure, they get plenty of it. But the truth is a gift is just that. You give a gift. You don't give a gift because you expect something in return. You give a gift because you love someone and you just want to do something kind and good and nice for them. And Jesus, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit got together and got us a gift. And that gift is salvation. That's why he said that not of yourselves is the gift of God. It's not you that gets you saved, it's God. It's God that gets you saved. It's a gift from God. Something that He just gives you because He just... He just loves you. He wants to bless you. He wants to be good to you. He wants to be kind to you. And, and men cannot understand, but how can it be that easy? Because it is. Because He's God. Amen. He's God. And because He's God, He decided, because He couldn't trust us with eternity, to do it for us. I told you, every good thing I've ever done has been Him through me. And when I got saved, you know what it says here? It said, by grace you're saved through faith. You know where I got that faith? From God. God says, it's, it's given to every man the measure of faith. That God is literally giving me faith and then letting me take the faith and go give it back to Him. And He saves me. That's the mighty part of it. He saves you. And then guess what? As the verse said, I'm persuaded He's able to keep. He saves me, and then He keeps me. He's above us. He's above all. He's through all, and He's in us all. Or at least I hope He is. I hope He's in you. Is He in you? Is He in you? I'll tell you what, He either is or He is not. He's not, well, you know, well, I've been in church a long time, or well, I've been a Christian a long time, or well, I, no, I'm not asking you any of that. I ain't asked you where your, where your church membership is. I haven't asked you what, your, what your, you know, your, your doctrine is, or whether you've been to seminary, or what your credentials are, or what you can tell me. I'm asking you, is He in you? He either is, or He is not. And with this understood, we've got to ask ourselves this simple question. Why? Should these things bring us together in unity? We understand his incontrovertible position that he is above us, then we understand that we are all of us under God. 
and there is none that doeth good, and He is above us, and we are all low. And the sooner we understand His ways are higher than our ways, and we can all submit to that, we can come together. The problem comes when you get concerned about whether my way is better than your way or your way is better than my way. What we need is God's way. We're united in His interwoven position in that we are all simply clay in His hands. If we're not following His way, we can't do anything. And we're united in His indwelling position in the simple truth that if you've been saved, we're one body, one church, one people, and we have one God. He's the God of Calvary Road Baptist Church. But is He your God? Do you know Him? Let's all stand. Look around this morning, I have, to, I have to wonder, is every soul here saved, you know? A crowd this size? Yeah, I believe God is the God of heaven, and I, I believe all that stuff. I, you know, that's good, you need to. But is He in you? Does He live in you? Do you have the joy of the Lord? Do you have peace that passeth understanding? Have you ever bowed your knee and asked the Lord Jesus Christ to save you? Have you asked God into your heart? Not your mom, not your dad, not your brother, not your sister, you. Have you? Not your husband, not your wife, not your children, you. Because there is one God. And one day, every knee is going to bow. Every single tongue is going to confess that He's God. When that day comes, will you be one who's forced to kneel or will you be on the winning side? Are you a part of the unity in the church and the unity of the body and the unity of the Spirit, the unity of the Lord, the unity of one baptism, the unity of one God and Father of all? He's above all and He is through all. But when He says in you all, He was talking to the church. Is He in you? If he's not, you can come down this morning. You can come right down here, and the Lord will meet you. He'll save you today. Well, I, I made a profession of faith, and, and I don't want to I don't want to embarrass myself. Well, that's no reason to go to hell. Are you listening to me? That's no reason to play with eternity. Well, I, I don't really like going to the altar. I don't really like doing this. None of that is going to hold up in eternity. He sent His Son to die for you. He took care of everything that had to be done. All you've got to do is receive a gift. If you don't know Him this morning, will you come now? Will you kneel down? He is our God. And he is our Father. He is above all. He's through all. And He's in me. Father in heaven, we thank you, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that the Bible is true. Thank you, God, that it's powerful, Lord, that it's mighty, Lord. Thank you, God, for everything that you are, Lord, for creation. Thank you, God, Lord, for watching down on us, God, for, for showing us, Lord, that we can trust you, Lord, that we can acknowledge you and you'll direct our paths. Lord, thank you for being such a good God who's above us. And God, thank you, Lord, for choosing to use men, Lord, and to work through us to do your work. God, I pray this morning, if there 
is one soul here today who does not know you. God, who has never been saved, who has never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Lord, I pray, God, please, let today be that day. God, I pray that they would come now, Lord, and kneel down at an altar, Lord, and ask you, Lord, to save their soul. God, Lord, that, that through faith we can be saved. Lord, that, God, we confess with our mouths, with we believe with our hearts, and God, that, that you will take up an abode inside our heart, Lord, that you are in us all. All of us, God, who have accepted you, who've been saved, Lord, who've come to a saving knowledge, Lord, and accepted the gospel, or we all have you living within us. There's one this morning, God, who's lost, does not have you living in, in their soul, God, in their heart tonight. I pray, Lord, please speak to their heart, save them. We love you, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.